Jesus launches into a series of characteristics of a disciple. Now, I want to remind everybody where we're talking about. Uh, we're talking right here is Capernaum, and just to the west of Capernaum, southwest of Capernaum, somewhere right in here, we see where Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. I said the first Sunday, that's the Church of the Beatitudes. It's, uh, it's a, a memorial, if you will, to the Sermon on the Mount. So you could see, uh, I believe, and if you look at all the different photos for the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus's back is to the Sea of Galilee. I don't believe that's the case. I believe Jesus was this way, preaching to the Sea of Galilee so his voice would carry. There would have been a large congregation of people there. Uh, he would have been sitting, and so would all of the people, because it says the disciples came to him when they saw Jesus sit. And so they would realize that that's like, as we sing our last song, the pastor gets up, and, the, and everybody goes, okay, here we go. We're getting ready to, he's getting ready to preach. So Jesus would have been sitting looking out and you can see the contour is pretty good I mean you could have a good view of Jesus from wherever you're you're sitting there so we looked at some of the characteristics one that is most important and and as I've gone through this and as I've looked at it and as I've studied it Jesus could have put this in any order but the fact that immediately after immediately after he says blessed are the poor in spirit and those who mourn you get the idea that there is a brokenness in which that's where we are when we start the salvation. And then he uses meek, which is the reaction to the brokenness of spirit. Again, he could have said anything beyond that. He could have said anything. And, and as I studied these years, years ago, I just thought, well, Jesus is, is throwing out uh, different sayings and uh, that, that there's no method to this, but there is a method. So in, in other words, this is foreshadowing of the cross, obviously, because I, I believe that once you've encountered the cross and you've been broken in spirit and you're, sorrow, and you're sorrowful over your sin, that it radically changes your life. You cannot leave the cross the same way that you came. There's, you may... You may slowly come to realize discipleship. But in that moment, when, when you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is a radical change. Now, then he goes on and he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And he says, those who show mercy. All of these are characteristics of a disciple. Blessed are the pure in heart, those that are devoted to God wholly. And then he, we left off last time by blessed are the peacemakers. Now, the peacemakers are those who try to bring peace between people. Obviously, uh, Jesus leaves us his peace in John, in the Gospel of John. We said, he said, my peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. And so our whole reign on this earth, if you will, reign, I use that word in conjunction with Christ, because once we've trusted in him, we will reign with him. So here we have this, I don't know why this is doing that, but anyway, as we come to the next section, Jesus has just talked about peace. So we've gone through this, this, this list, and the, I believe these are basic characteristics of a disciple, which Jesus will expand on 
as he works through the Sermon on the Mount. Now, Jesus has just talked about peace. And what is the next thing that Jesus talks about? Anything that can hurt the peace that we have. And we are talking here about expect persecution for doing things God's way. It's not an easy life. Being a Christian is not an easy life. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Dioko, which means a systematic, organized program of harassment. Jesus would know that. He fought, he fought his whole three-year ministry with an organized approach to get rid of him. They did not like the message of the kingdom. They did not like him proclaiming himself to be son of God. And, and brothers and sisters, when we're out there in the world, it should not shock us that the world does not like us. The world does not like us. And, you know, every time I think of the word persecution and systematic uh, harassment, um, I always think about the Holocaust, the persecution of Adolf Hitler to the Jewish people. But on our level, when we think about it, when we just read here, we just read, blessed are those who are persecuted. That's very general. The specific thing that they're persecuted for is for righteousness sake. Dikinosine, dikinosine, which means the act of doing what God requires. Here's the thing. That when you live your life the way God tells you to live it, you will not need to go look for persecution. Persecution will find you. The big question is, how do we get here? Because Jesus foresaw a day when his disciples would go through this. How did, and remind us of the Christian principles here, uh, we live humble lives. That's after we leave the cross, we are living in humility. Uh, we live to do what God requires. That's primary. I've said this before. I said it a hundred times. All of us know how to live for God in this world. Or we should know. We're, God teaches us and also the Holy Spirit and the church. Uh, live morally pure lives and put away things that do not belong to God. That's, that's kind of standard, uh, that's kind of standard uh, procedure. Live to bring people together and to God. And that was the blessed are the peacemakers. So this is how we get to where we are today. When you call on the name of Jesus and you call on the name of Christ and you're living for him, uh, whether it's in a social arena, whether it's anywhere that you are in this life, and you bring up the name Jesus, you are inviting kickback and feedback from that event. I, I, remember, <laughs> I, I remember this week uh, on one of the social media platforms, um, a woman had responded to something that somebody had said, and she responded with, well, this person is obviously not saved. They need to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They need to repent of their sins. And they need to ask Christ to come into their heart. 
I don't need to tell you the feedback that this woman got. One was crawl back into the whole uh, cave in which you came from. And that was the mild version. She got hammered all because she told the truth. I don't, there was nothing brass about what she said. She simply stated the truth. This person is lost, needs to know Christ. They need to repent of their sins and ask Christ into their heart. And there was over a thousand responses. They were, yeah, I had to click some of them off because you can't even read them. It, it, and this is the world. This is the world in which we live today. It is getting worse. Have you not looked at what is taking place in our country? And we come along as believers and tell people that you must follow Jesus Christ, that you must repent of your sin and ask for forgiveness of the sins and invite him into your heart. You are exploding. The already hidden anger. And I tell you what, our culture is spiraling out of control. And guess who's in the line of fire? And me. We are in the line of fire. And so Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. And, 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 and I want to say this too. Particularly when it, when it, when it talks about uh, living morally pure lives and putting away things that don't belong, belong to God. There's a way to get persecuted for being idiotic. There's a, a, a way of being persecuted for being unloving or uncaring. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. It is on the fact that we do what God tells us to do. We will not be welcomed most of the time in this world. You may find one or two people that might possibly be open to hearing the gospel. But I want to remind us of something this morning. We do not fight the way the world fights. We do not fight the way the world fights. We love people. Yes, they are lost and they're going to act like lost people. But I'm going to tell you this. Nothing that happens to you or me goes unnoticed by God. Not one thing. He tells us at the end of the Beatitudes here. John Stott in his commentary writes this, and it's simple. Persecution is simply the clash between two conflicting systems. If you want to boil everything down to it, you have Christ and you have the world. Those two systems are antithetical to each other. They do not exist well. And so as Jesus is telling this to his disciples uh, and, and the congregation that is before them, a quite large crowd, you, if you're receiving this information, you're thinking, blessed are those who are persecuted Ooh, I don't like that and if there were some Pharisees and scribes in this crowd we don't actually know that but if there were some Pharisees and scribes in this crowd they're going oh yeah I know what systematic persecution is going to look like Jesus and so it's really a tough message Jesus says here basically if you want to follow me look out we can't escape that. And as we live for him with, with all these, these, these uh, 
litany here of several verses of, of characteristics of a believer, we're going to get in trouble with the world. And you know what we have to do? We have to say, that's okay. Because I'm following Christ and I'm doing what God's told me to do. He says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is verse 10. For uh, Matthew 5, chapter, uh, Matthew 5, verse 10. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Bosileia. That's a district, that word kingdom there. Bosileia is the word for a district ruled by a king. Then you go on and it says, Gretinos, which is the word for heaven, the dwelling place of God. So it is a district that is owned by God. Let me remind us of this this morning. Our citizenship is in heaven and we wait for the Savior to return. That's where we reside. Pauline theology, already not yet. We are in between two worlds because when the believer dies and they go to be with Jesus, we leave this world, we break the shackles of this world, and we see God face to face. That is awesome. That is awesome. So let me remind us, as bad as this world is, I, I do know that there are good people there. But there are good people that still need to be redeemed by the blood of Christ. And our job as believers is to go out into the world, show them what it looks like to be a disciple, to love people, to care for them. Blessed are the merciful. Uh, we've been shown mercy. We've, we've been shown compassion by God. We should not be the cramat Christian in people's face. We do that by loving them. And showing them. And yes, at some point you have to tell people, you're a sinner, you need to be saved. But I think if we, if we were just to get back to showing compassion, loving people, um, and I did, I did respond to some of the comments, and then I didn't look anymore to see who responded to me. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, I just kind of imagined that, you know, I said I've been a pastor 30 years, and I'm sure, but I didn't even look at it. So um, number seven. Expect persecution to be personal. And you say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. You just talked about persecution. Well, I want you to notice something here. It's not readily noticed unless you're looking for it. You notice the first time that Jesus said this? Listen to this. Blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's third person. Notice what Jesus says now in verse 11. Blessed are you. Second person. It's much more personal. One is a general persecution because of following Christ. It's general. This now applies to you and to me. And again, it should not shock us. And, and then he, he goes a little deeper here. He says, blessed are you. I know this is all such good news to y'all today. <laughs> to all of you that are here. But you need to know that, that following Christ, there is, there is a cost. There is a cost. Blessed are you, you could put your name in there, when others revile you and utter all kinds of evil against you. That's all aimed at me and you as you live. People are going to do all kinds. Now this word revile, One dizo, one dizo, and that means to insult. Oh my gosh, 
that girl was insulted. But it also means insult someone unjustly. Honestly, brothers and sisters, I could not tell you what I read. It was, it was bizarre. And it lets me know what's going on in our culture, too. How violent our culture has become. We can chalk that up to a lot of things, but I'm going to tell you this. It is a heart condition. People need to know Jesus. It can take a lot of forms. It can take a group making fun of you. That's a, that's a form of an insult. It could be a direct insult. Crawl back into the cave in which you came from. That's a direct revile. That is a direct insult. And then he mentions dioko. And that's the word for persecute. Again, the word refers to a systematic program of harassment. I've told you this story before. Please bear with me. I'll tell it to you again. When I was serving in Hawaii, the 125th Military Intelligence, which that was also antithetical to the name <laughs> because we were in the field there was a NCO over me. I will not mention his name. He was, should not have been in our unit at all. He was a Special Forces Airborne Ranger. I did get air assault qualified myself, but he was one of those guys that was really, really bad. He found out I'm a Christian. I was under him. He's E6. I was E5. Of course, I was the section chief, too. And he said, oh, you're one of those stupid idiots. Set the tone real early. I had a lieutenant that also shared the same view that he did of Christians. I had a Christian friend who really disappointed me. We were the same rank. He, he, he was a disappointment but I'm not going to hold anything against him. I still loved him as a brother. Um, he chose to conceal when he saw what was going on. We were in the field one day, and one of my soldiers accidentally left their weapon. Now, when you leave your weapon beside a vehicle, it's bad. And the lieutenant walks up to me, and I have my still pot on. We're out in the field. I was coming down out of a out of the vehicle and the lieutenant takes the weapon <clears throat> and he throws it at me hitting me in the chest the sight hit me on the forehead and he said one of your soldiers left it out there Sergeant Frazier deal with it here's the thing that that was prosecutable under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, Article 15, for striking a non-commissioned officer. Whether by fist or anything thrown at you. I was shocked that he did it. I've never in 12 years did I have, a, have an officer act like it. And you could press charges against somebody who is your superior. Do you know what I did? 
I bent down, I picked up the weapon, and I saluted him. And I, I, he didn't return my salute. He stormed off. You know the story? I wound up becoming the platoon sergeant after things got real heavy on me. I, I'm not going to lie to you. Things got real heavy. And Audrey and I went back to Florida for 30 days just to clear the area because they were really hounding me. And when I came back, immediately upon signing back into the unit the next day, the first sergeant wants to see you. I went down to see Top, expecting that I was going to be busted for whatever things that they came up with. And instead, the first sergeant said, pull your platoon together. I said, platoon? He said, you are now the platoon sergeant in charge. I can't tell you all the games that they played with me in front of my own soldiers. But I really, this, this was the key. And I was young. I was a young Christian and probably naive enough to just not say anything. But I didn't, I didn't say anything when I was getting all this stuff. That officer could have been prosecuted for intentionally hitting an non-commissioned officer in the United States military. But I just looked at him and I picked it up, saluted him, and he walked away. He never returned my salute. When I came back, there was a new lieutenant and there was a new platoon sergeant. Oh, by the way, that was me. <laughs> it was a platoon sergeant. <laughs> um, they'll say evil, paneros. Now, this is interesting. This is an interesting word, paneros. And it means attributing evil or wickedness to a follower of Christ. So in other words, you're about doing good things and all of a sudden they're attributing you guys are evil. That's evil calling good evil. And there's where the perversion comes in. Stuart Weber says this, kingdom honor is not granted as a compensation for unfairness of life. It's going to be unfair. We got to get used to it. But as a blessing on those who have actively pursued the kingdom of righteousness and have been persecuted for it. It's the way it's going to be, folks. They're going to they're going to say all kinds of things about you that aren't true. Pseudomai. To communicate what is false and to tell lies about you. Have you ever had that happen in your Christian walk? I have. I'm not saying, I, I, I'm just saying I've, I've had people lie about me. Saying things that aren't true. And why did this, why did this happen? I, I know it's because we're following, but listen to what Jesus says. Very, very important. We're, we're going to be finished soon. Don't worry. Jesus says, on my account, Henneke, sounds like Hanukkah, but it's Henneke. And that word means simply because we are followers of Christ. Bloomberg uh, notes in his commentary, because of me provides another key qualification. As in verse 10, which we've looked at, the only persecution that is blessed, which stems from allegiance to Jesus Christ and living in conformity with his standards. Because this life is just a fraction of all eternity, we can and must rejoice even in persecution. I'll be honest with you. That whole time that that was happening to me, um, I realized that I had a wife and two young kids. If I got busted a rank for falseness, that's going to hurt my family financially. 
I wasn't too happy during that period. I'll, I'll have to be honest with you. I, I was a young Christian. And I'll be honest with you here too. It's tough to be happy when people don't like you. Isn't that right? But Jesus says, we're, this is what we can expect. I was told early on by Dr. Windsor, you need to be real with your congregation and you need to tell them where you messed up and where you made mistakes. And I'm just telling you, I took the persecution, but there wasn't anything inside of me going, I wasn't happy about it. In fact, I was worried about it. Primarily because I had a family, young family. I also knew that I was a good sergeant. I wasn't a great sergeant. I was a good sergeant. And I tried to treat my people fairly. And I did when I took over the platoon. Even though I knew what was there. It was a new day. And I felt the right thing to do was to treat them right. At that time, I was also teaching fifth grade Sunday school, so uh, I kind of wanted my life to match what I was trying to teach the little kids. And I'm not, not saying I'm perfect, because I, I made mistakes. But he's right. It's, it's qualified here. This is ultimately why. Because we follow Christ, you're going to be persecuted. General persecution, persecution of the church, persecution of you personally. Okay, saved it for this. This is the good news now. You ready for the good news? All right. Expect to be rewarded. Remember, this is not our home. This is not, uh, this is temporal. I was thinking the other day, man. I remember when I was in my 20s, now I'm 61. I'm like, it was like a vapor. Where did that go? I also asked the question, where did my hair go? I used to, used to have a good, good amount of hair, and that's, that's gone. But I guess, I guess as you get older, you get wise, right? It's supposed to lose your hair. So I don't know. Jesus says in verse 12, Rejoice and be glad. I failed there that time, but God still protected me. He still took care of me. I'm grateful for that. Um, for your reward is great in heaven. Hiro is the word for rejoice. That means a state of happiness and well-being. So think of it this way. When people are persecuting you, and it's probably mostly, it's, I realize this, mostly it's just going to be on a small scale with us. But small scales still hurt. When people lie about you and, and, and they say you shouldn't be doing this, and, and it, it, it hurts, even on a small scale. One man that I have immense, immense respect for is this guy right here, Diedrich Bonhoeffer. The first Christ suffering which every man must experience is the call to abandon the attachments of the world. 
The call of Christ sets up a barrier between man and his natural life. Many of you know the story of Diedrich Bonhoeffer. He was a Christian preacher under the reign of the Nazi government. He was put in prison. He actually was in America, but went back because he felt he needed to be with the German people. He was imprisoned for that. And on the day, on the day that Diedrich Bonhoeffer was going to be executed, he walked to the place of execution. He stepped up. They put a noose around his neck, and he was smiling. He gazed out over, smile on his face, and he was with Jesus. Immense, immense respect for this guy. And if you've not read the book, The Cost of Discipleship by Diedrich Bonhoeffer, it would be a good one to read. He also had letters from prison. There were some other ones. But uh, when, when I think of Diedrich Bonhoeffer and I think of the smile that he had, nothing this world can do to him, nothing. This is all about Jesus. Brothers and sisters, this world can do nothing to us. This is all about Jesus. This is all about how we live for him, how we love him, how we love others around us, how we share the good news of the kingdom. By the way, he'll get into that next, which I find ironic after this is what you're going to encounter. Oh, and by the way, I, this is how I want you to live in that environment. Jesus is specific. He is going through this methodically. The word... Uh, the word reward is misos, misos. And that word means something that has been earned. The good news is that whatever persecution that you suffered, whatever wrong you suffered, that this, this is the wonderful thing. And this is something to keep in your back pocket. Pull it out when you need it. Just remind yourself that someday God is going to pay you back. And the people that did this to you will not get away with it. So no matter what you suffer, please be mindful of the fact that it's temporal. Yes, it feels like eternity when you're going through it. But you can be assured that God will pay back. And 1 Corinthians 3.8 he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive wage according to his labor. It's, it's through Scripture. We will be rewarded, and Jesus says personally. And I think, I think this is, I think Jesus is saying this with feeling. Like, I'm projecting, you're going to go through this, but don't worry. Don't worry. I am going to pay you back for what you have suffered on my account. Isn't that good news? I mean, no matter what this world throws at us, you just have to realize our God's bigger. And our God will take care of it. We never go on the persecution rampage ourselves. We are the ones persecuted. No Christian in any church should ever be persecuted by another believer. Should not happen. And then Jesus says this, For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
Craig Bloomberg, Jesus offers an emotional reminder that the great men and women of the Old Testament times often suffered a similar fate. The prophet Jeremiah provides a classic example. The same is true of Christian history in general. When we suffer, we must avoid the trap of thinking that we are the only ones who have ever experienced such problems. When you're in the forest, it's hard to see the trees. Step back. Just step back and go, you know what? It, it, it could be people in a church that's, that's persecuting you. It, it, it could be a neighbor that's persecuting you. It could be a close friend that's persecuting you. That hurts. I know that. But we have to step back and we have to go, you know what? I tried to do what was right according to Scripture. And I'm just going to let this go and I'm going to give it to God and I'm going to live my life and I'm not going to let it bog me down. I'm not going to let it cause me to stumble in my own walk with God. I am just going to rise above this. And I am going to set my sights on the kingdom of God. And I'm going to live for him. And no matter what happens... I'm not the only one. There's not one persecution or hardship that any of us have gone through that is new or unique. King Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. So, in conclusion of this little three-part series here, discipleship starts with salvation. That is a brokenness and an acknowledgement that I really have nothing to offer to God and then I mourn over that sin and when he saves me I spend my life walking in meekness at that point realizing that it is only by the grace of God that I have been saved then I have a hunger and I thirst for him and I and then I'm 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 merciful because I've been shown mercy and then I I I live a, a life of purity and I block out those things uh, which are not of God. And as I live my life, then I'm, I'm trying to bring peace between people. I'm trying to bring peace between them and God. All the while realizing, all the while realizing that some people aren't going to like this new lifestyle that I'm living. And they're not going to like me. And they may say bad things about me. I'm putting Jesus' sermon here in a, in a nutshell. And it may get personal. By the way, just for the record here, or I should say off the record, if you've got something against somebody, don't do it through an email. So many things can get mixed up on sending, just talk to the person, but that's side point. But if you have a situation where somebody's persecuting you, harassing you, just step back and go, you know what? I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to love them and do the best I can. And ultimately, someday, God's going to reward me. That sound like a good, that sound like a good plan? Just live for him.
I think that's the best thing. Just live for him. Stuff's going to happen to you. We're not going to change that. It's just the way it is. I, I think the more we realize that, the better we get at handling it. When I was a young pastor, I was shocked people did not like me. It was a real belly kick. I was like, whoa, what? I was shocked, honest, because I thought everybody, you know, so good. Naively walking right into the field of battle. Didn't know I was going to get chewed up a lot of times. But you know what? 98% of the church people that I've dealt with, they love Jesus. There's always 2%, and there's always 2% of bad pastors in every group, too. So it's not always you people in church. Sometimes pastors are bad. If I could say one final thing. Love God with all of your heart. Love others with all of your heart. And live for him each day. think we could make a big impact father we thank you lord for your word father i pray if there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their lord and savior